0: From the Esquire Lounge in downtown Champaign, it's time for Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette media sports writers Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie. Delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling Text Line. 217-351-5357. Now, live from the Esquire Lounge on Walnut Street in downtown Champaign, here are the News Gazette media sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly.
1: Good evening once again, everybody, and welcome to Monday Night Sports Talk. Indeed, we're at the Esquire in downtown Champaign with you until 6 o'clock this evening. Plenty of basketball to talk about. The Fighting Illini basketball team, moved up a couple of spots in the ratings to number 19 in the AP poll. Kofi Coburn, once again, Big Ten Freshman of the Week for the seventh time this year. We thought Iota Sumu might be uh, at least co-defense or co or uh, co-player uh, of the week in the Big Ten, but he did not get it as Jalen Smith, Scott Ritchie from uh, Maryland, had a just a little bit better week
2: definitely deserves Big Ten Player of the Week honors. They averaged uh, 27 points, 11 rebounds, and uh, one and a half blocks uh, in Maryland's two wins last week, uh, both also on the road. Uh, still, though, I thought I would assume we would at least pick up co-player of the week honors. I mean, he had 18 points, 11 assists against Purdue, and then a you know, career-high 27 uh, Saturday against Michigan, um, obviously, and hit the, the game winner as well, so... Maybe it's like a bit of a slight in there, but uh, doesn't detract from, obviously, a, a really good week for Iowa and Illinois basketball as a whole.
1: One game in the Big Ten tonight. Wisconsin plays at Iowa. Illinois plays again Thursday night against Minnesota at the State Farm Center. 6.30 is the tip time for that. Iowa plays also Thursday night on the road at Maryland, and the reason I mention that is Illinois plays at Iowa on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. At noon, so that could be uh, kind of interesting, Matt Daniels, as a sports reporter i don 't know that i 've ever gone through a weekend that had such a a low to start the weekend, a high with a big victory on the road, another low yesterday. It was just a, a roller coaster of emotions
3: yeah, it was you know finding out uh, you know late Friday afternoon the unfortunate passing of, of Robert Archibald, the former Illini Center, uh, gone at the age of thirty nine and uh, then you know, Illinois played the next day at, at Michigan, and uh, you know gave the Wolverines a great game. And then it came down to the end, and Iowa hit his, his game winner now that he's kind of been known for, Captain Clutch, uh, closing out the line. I wins, and you go from that euphoria uh, on Saturday as an Illinois fan to you know Sunday afternoon learning about the tragic death of of Kobe Bryant and his daughter, thirteen-year-old daughter Gianna, and seven other seven other people in a Helicopter crash in California, you know, that's one of those moments in life that you're going to think back to where you were, what you were doing, uh, you know, when you found out the the tragic news of, of Kobe Bryant's death. So it's just, uh, just a whirlwind of emotions uh, in the sports world. And, uh, you know, for Illinois fans, too, who have, you know, Robert Archibald was a, a huge part of, you know, Illinois basketball in the late 1990s, early 2000s, you know, with uh, first recruited Illinois by Lon Kruger out of Lafayette High School in in St. Louis and then, uh, you know, contributed uh, quite significantly under Bill Self. And, you know, he had a great game uh, against Arizona there in the Elite Eight in 2001. I know Bob Osmussen was there and he wrote about it in in Saturday's paper. And if a a few calls maybe go Illinois' way, uh, you know, Archibald kind of goes down as, you know, maybe the guy that lifts Illinois to the Final Four in 2001. So uh, you just wish the best for, for all the families involved. Uh, you know, being a father of three young children, I can't imagine, you know, what, you know, those those spouses are going through right now. And uh, I just hope for the best uh, in these unfortunate situations.
1: Bob, what do you remember about uh, Robert Archibald? And I covered him as well. One of the tougher guys that uh, ha- has come through this basketball program.
4: I, I remember a glint in his eye all the time. He always seemed to – he had fun. and He seemed to enjoy – if he knocked people around, he didn't seem to mind that. He just kind of liked it, and he was a very tough guy, but also a guy that was really good off the court. A great, great person to talk to. One of those guys you could always go to and count on him to say something—not just something like the coach might tell him, but something that was pretty prof- profound. So I really liked him as a person. Obviously, a great player, and did a lot for Illinois basketball, and did a lot uh, for for you know. I, I think problem with, with both his death and, and Cubby's death is the age. They're so young. Somebody older die, passes away. Of course, you feel horrible. But somebody at that age just makes it so hard and makes it hard to understand that. And just makes you really realize, love everybody, You know, give everybody. But my first thought when I heard about Robert was make sure everybody around you knows what you feel about him because you don't, don't know that they're not going to be here the next day
1: we going to talk plenty more Illinois basketball. Anything else that might be on your mind, raise your hand here at the Esquire if you have a question. Phone line is open, 356-9397. We're going to bring a couple of guests here after the break. A couple of guys named Small. Bill Small, former Illinois basketball player back in the early 60s. And, of course, Mike Small, the Illinois men's golf coach, are joining us here at the Esquire. We'll be back to visit with them in just a moment. Stay with us on Monday Night Sports Talk Downtown Champaign at the Esquire.
0: You're listening to Monday Night Sports Talk on DWS with the News Gazette Media sports Writers, Live from the Esquire Lounge on Walnut Street in downtown Champaign.
1: Okay, welcome back to the show, everybody. Steve Kelly along with Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie, Bob Osmussen. Phone lines are open, 356 If you'd like to join us, we'll be here until... Shortly before 6 o'clock this evening, welcome to the program here at the Esquire, if you will, Bill Small. Former Illini basketball player with a, with a few fans here. And Illini golf coach Mike Small is in the house with us.
4: That's about a tie. What's that? That's about a tie there with the support. It was. Yeah.
1: I, I told the folks here to keep it even. We don't want okay. to play favorites. Okay, very good. At least in the early going. Smaller how are you doing?
5: I'm good, Steve. Thanks for having me on, and uh, it's an honor to be here with my dad. I don't think we've ever done this before, have we?
1: No, yeah, I don't believe so, and I see your dad uh, just about every week at lunch, and I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk some basketball with you. And I, w- I will tell you, Bill, ahead of time, there's some folks over here from Rantoul that remember you from uh, 1959, I believe it was, from West Aurora. So uh, they'll be nice to you, but thank you for coming, and uh, thanks for being here.
6: Thank you for having me, and I'll be glad to answer any questions about that Rantoul ball game.
1: <laughs> They're good fans. They remember that uh, game in the state tournament. Yeah. How, how far did you guys go after you won there, after nope. you beat them? Yeah, we beat Rantoul
6: in the uh, quarterfinals. They were undefeated, and uh, we beat them in the quarterfinals. Beat them pretty bad, if I remember right. And then we, uh, then the next day we beat, we beat Galesburg, who was the number one ranked team in maybe the nation that year. And then uh, that was the semifinals, and then we got beat in the final game.
1: So the two guys had two guys hurt.
6: That was after the game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I want to talk basketball with you because you and I do that a lot at lunch with a group of guys that we have lunch with just about every week. And there's some similarities kind of between your senior year at Illinois, when you guys won the Big Ten championship, the co-championship tied with Ohio State at 11-3, and but you won some road games and won some uh, close ball games and played the number one team in the nation and played the eventual NCAA champion uh, in Loyola. What do you remember about that season?
6: The season was very similar to what Illinois is going through right now. Uh, we won all our home games. There was, was 7-0 and in the Big Ten, and we run the other, non, other non-conference games. And then we played on the road, and it was difficult then just like it is now. Uh, we lost three ball games on the road. I think I can't remember exactly what the scores, but probably three games by a total of less than ten points. Okay, yeah, there's three games and they were less than ten points at Michigan, at Wisconsin, at Indiana. So we finished 11 and three in the Big Ten and then went to the NCAA's.
1: Dave Downey, leading scorer on that team. Bill Small, a second leading scorer on that particular ball club, and uh, Bob Starnes was in the lineup. Uh, me, some other guys that uh, well, the with center you. was
6: Bill Burwell. He was, he was a big 8 kid from Brooklyn, and the uh, guard that year was a sophomore named Tal Brody. Uh, when Tal came aboard, uh, us four played you know, two years before that. When Tal came aboard, then it really made our team good. I mean, he and I worked very well together at guard. I mean, actually, more defensively than offensively. But uh, he was a real good ball player, and he just gave us the added ingredient we needed to be successful.
1: Talking to Bill Small. Mike Small is here as well. Now, after you left the U of I, tell us about your career, what you did.
6: After my senior year, I got drafted by Detroit. Decided not to try that because at that time there were only eight teams. Right. There was eight teams, and uh, I was drafted by Detroit. And uh, sort of funny thing, you look back then, I was 1963, and... Uh, I think the contract they offered me was $7,000 and a pair of Converse tennis shoes.
1: <laughs>
6: and that's the truth, that's the truth. And I think the number one pick that year got $10,000. That was 1963. But I opted not to go there and I opted to play AU ball and I played with the Goodyear Wing Foots for a couple of years and we were very successful, we won national AU championship and I got to play in Olympic trials in 1964.
1: And you ended up in Danville, right?
6: Yes. Uh, we moved to Danville in 1974 when Mike was eight and his brother was five, mm-hmm. and we chose that as our home-to-be, and uh, we've been there. and Then, of course, here we moved to Champaign after I retired uh, in
5: 2005.
1: Mike, it looks like Bill could still play. Can he still shoot the rock?
5: Yeah, I grew up playing horse against my dad. It didn't turn out very good for me, <laughs> but um, you know, he, he can he's, if you see the size of his hands, you can realize why he was a good basketball player. and. And there were times when um, we get a little chippy when we were younger and want to play him one on one, and he would, he'd back us down and he'd take us take us to the basket pretty easily. But he could very well he could shoot very well. Obviously. That's what he's known for my entire life. Wherever I went, when my name was mentioned, um, you know, especially in the state of Illinois, my dad's name came up. It was always a thing of pride for me to be uh, associated with that and to hear the stories about what they did and how he played and and uh, his high school high school stories. I still hear those from around the state. How he'd come over half court and throw it up and. And uh, it'd go in, and uh, he could really shoot the, shoot the basketball. But yeah, he did it um, back when we were younger too. But um, uh, it 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 made me and my brother pretty tough playing with him like that.
1: Never been a shot he didn't like, huh?
5: That's right here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned your brother Andy played baseball mm-hmm. at Illinois, so uh, certainly the small family is uh, fighting a on. I family, Bob.
4: I was going to ask Bill. Well, I was always fascinated by the idea of somebody like Dave Downey. What he would be like if he's playing today? Let's say he was 20 years old today. Would he be a great player? Well, how do you think he would do? And then put yourself in the same boat. How would you do?
6: It's a completely different ball game. Okay. I mean, uh, back then, I think we probably could shoot as well as these guys okay. right now. But sure. We weren't as, as, as big and as, as long and as athletic as okay. they were. And uh, not as, uh, the game back then was physical. I mean, we played physical, but it was a different type of physical. Okay. It wasn't as fast and, you know, it wasn't uh, uh, like it is today. But I think we all could have played. I mean, everything's relative. You know, right, Everything's right. relative. We could shoot as well as they could, but they're just, they run, run faster, jump higher than we did.
4: You you didn't have weight training then no, either. We, right.
6: We, we didn't do any of that.
4: Right, so. Yeah.
6: And nowadays the game is 24-7. I mean, you you know, you read, you guys print and we know what the team does. You know, they practice 24-7 and uh, they go to summer school and they lift after games. We didn't do any of that. We didn't do none of that stuff.
3: Bill, how how do you think the the three-point shot would have maybe affected your career if it would have been in in place? And two, also, if you had to go up against a guy like Kofi Coburn, how would you (laughs) go about doing that?
6: Well, if the three-point was in place, it would have made the ball game completely different then because we are, uh, I mean, I would have loved it, I mean, especially in high school and in college, too. And in college, we had, in the Big Ten, we had some good three-point shooters besides myself. I mean, there was Jimmy Rail was from Indiana, and he was a fantastic three-point shooter. Uh, Wisconsin had a good three-point shooter. Uh, Kofi, well, there were guys as big as him back then. Of course, they, you know, not as mobile, and, you know, they don't look like him, but... uh, (laughs) There, there was guys back there, you know, seven foot, 6'11", uh, 230 pounds, but it was a different ball game then. I mean, uh, everything's relevant, like I said, and back then, we played just as well then as Illinois is playing now, but it was, it was a different era and what have you.
1: Any questions here at the Esquire? Raise your hand. We'll get a microphone around to you if you want to ask uh, Mike Small or Bill Small anything about uh, their careers. Did you consider basketball at any time, Mike? Did you did you play any or were you golf all the way?
5: Well, I, I, was, I was golf all the way, but I was enamored with it, obviously at a younger age because of my dad and his reputation, and and I was one of those guys that liked to shoot the ball as well, but um, I wasn't as good at that level. I I played high school basketball at Danville, and we didn't have very good teams at the time, but we, we were competitive. But I enjoyed it. It was it was something I did in the wintertime, even through high school. I didn't play golf all year round until I got to college. And... Um, no, I wasn't. I wasn't gifted with those size of hands my dad has, and I wasn't. Uh, but I, I, I mean, I was competitive, and it was something that was fun. And play, playing in the Big 12 was competitive, and it was it was it was a good experience for me, and something I was, I'll always remember.
6: Let Let me add something about Mike playing basketball. May I? Sure. <laughs> he played at Danville High School for a couple of years, and dur- during that time they struggled, uh, unlike when Andy played. Cause when Andy played, he had a very good ball club. But uh, two things I remember about Mike. One, uh, we're playing in the Pontiac tournament. Like they always do, and there was a picture in the Danville paper of Mike guarding Lowell Hamilton.
5: Actually, actually, it was a Chicago Tribune. Chicago Tribune. <laughs> That's made, I'm sorry. I got. We still got yeah. it. four of us. Four of us uh, at Danville. were, I was a tall guy on our team, at six foot, six one, and we're all guarding Lowell Hamilton, and sitting there in the front in the middle of us, yeah. his hand up. Color photo back in the day in the Chicago Tribune. That was my, you know, claim to fame right there in basketball. So,
2: Well, Bill, you mentioned your senior year, your team went on the road and had some success. What was, you know, at that point one of the tougher places to play in the Big Ten? And where where did you like to go, you know, maybe away from uh, Assembly Hall? Well,
6: back then, most of the teams, uh, schools in the Big Ten, we played in field houses rather than, you know, plush Assembly Hall, State Farm Center, and, you know, Chrysler and all those. There were field houses, and and some of them were were pretty tough because they were dark and dingy and dirty. But uh, probably the toughest place to play, and it still is today, is Minnesota because of the elevated floor. They had the same thing then as they have now. They just jazzed it up a little bit. Uh, Michigan State was a real tough place to play. They had, uh, I can't think what they called their field house. Jennison. Jennison, thank you. A Jennison field house. And it was dark and dirty and dingy, and the rims seemed like they were just solid, you know, no give in them. And uh, we had trouble when we played up there. Uh, matter of fact, that's where we played the regional when we, uh, we beat Bowling Green in the first game and got beat by Loyola. The regional was at East Lansing that year. That was a tough place to play.
2: Well, you mentioned uh, Minnesota and uh, Williams Arena and the, the elevated floor. And Deion Thomas shared a story with me. I think it's his first year, he went for a loose ball and almost slid off of it. Did you have any moments like that? Because he said he, he never wanted to go back after that first game.
6: It was a tough place to play. I mean, as you can see, the coach has to have a stool to sit on the floor, uh, on the floor if he wants to watch the game. Uh, we had success there. I, don't think, I think we played up there maybe all three years. I think we won all three games. We didn't have any problem playing up there. But uh, it's an interesting place to play in, And believe it or not, it, it's the same as it was back in 1963. Did you ever play in Hinkle? Yes, we did. My sophomore year we played in a, uh, a tournament there uh, prior to Christmas. I think we got beat one game and we it was a two we played two games there in my sophomore year. I think we won one and lost one. But we always played Butler the first game of our season. They were always opened up at illinois uh, the first game then for some reason i don 't know if we had a tournament that we, We couldn't get into, oh I know it was the Dixie Classic was canceled one year. We were supposed to play in the Dixie Classic when we were sophomores. That was a big tournament down in North Carolina where they had four four ACC teams. But that was canceled because they had a scandal on it. So I think we got invited then to Butler. And uh, it was an experience playing over there. You know, uh, it's just like it is today except it's jazzed up a little bit. It's still a terrific venue. Oh, wonderful, Uh, it's wonderful. Loud,
3: just about like uh, Purdue.
6: Yeah.
1: All right, any other questions, let me know. Mike Small, you open your team season this weekend down in Florida. Got to go down there and warm up a little bit and uh, talk about your team, what you anticipate going into the spring.
5: Well, yeah, Steve, this is our annual uh, Tinnervin Cup. Jeff Tinnervin has supported our program for many years financially and, and supported sure. us emotionally and been a big fan of ours, and he also supports Illinois State University's golf team. So we started this the Cup, maybe 18 years ago, was a warm-up match uh, before the big season starts. And since then, obviously, college golf, the landscape of college golf has changed. And um, you don't probably need this as much as you used to, but the relationship with Jeff is so strong. We still go down and play Illinois State every year. It's not really an official NCAA match, but it's a way to get down and, and for the coaches to, to what? To, so the first time I can evaluate, evaluate my players this spring and see how they're doing, but it gives them a chance to compete against somebody else besides their own team. Um, all my guys played events over, over the holidays, individual, um, unattached, amateur events. And, and they played pretty well, to be honest with you. And um, we've had some good practices this week, first week of practice. And um, I'm encouraged. I'm excited about to see what they have. And uh, this weekend when we play a match against Illinois State, we'll get a chance to evaluate them. And then we head to South Alabama at a, at, at a bigger event um, the week after that. And then we head to Hawaii for the first time in a few years to play in a big, big uh uh, very competitive Division One of championship out there. So uh, by by the end of February, I'll have a better idea of what we're doing and how we're looking. And and uh, being here obviously in the north, we can't really really gauge ourselves and get any momentum until maybe April or May. So um, our rankings and head-to-heads usually kind of suffer this time of year because of the ability to be prepared and playing against those schools that have been outside. But um, as the last you know 10-15 years, we'd like to be very competitive come April, May, and June when it really matters.
3: Bill, back to your uh, Illinois career, and same question to you, Mike. After your dad answers, what was your recruitment like uh, when you came to Illinois, and how did that how did that play out? And, and same same question to you, Mike, as well.
6: It's completely different back then than it is now. Uh, nobody made their college choice till after the season of their senior year, and it wasn't this, you know. 24 7 recruitment, like it was, like it is now, and it's the AU play and all this stuff. So, I didn't uh, decide to come to Illinois until probably around June 1st. Uh, you you t- take your You could take your visits, you had six visits in, like you yeah, have now. You take your visits in the fall or in the spring. And I took a couple in the, in the fall, then I, t- I think I stayed three or four to the spring. And then you make your decision around uh, sometime in May, around 1st of June. And it was completely different, much more low key. Uh, The head coach did most of the recruiting. You know, he'd have one assistant. He'd go out do the preliminary work, then the head coach would do the uh, the the hard stuff. But it it was it it was different. But it was fun. I mean, I had a good time, and it was very interesting. A lot of good people, and uh, it was very interesting. But completely different now. Less pressure uh, as it is now.
5: And I remember you telling us stories about Ray Meyer recruiting you, which was always a neat thing at DePaul. And uh, you know, I was asking those questions growing up. It was always neat for me to hear about those stories, those old legend coaches when they're recruiting, recruiting your dad. But uh, obviously for golf, it's a lot different. Um, being local at Danville and having Illinois ties, I think Ed Beard here always um, kind of knew he had an inside, You know, I, I, like I would probably prefer to come to Illinois. I had some opportunities at some smaller schools in the South. But I wasn't a prolific. Um, at the time, but in golf at that time, they didn't have national events and national rankings like they have now. It was more or less just kind of word of mouth and, and coaches would kind of hedge their bets on who they would recruit. And, and I think the, the athlete in me, the athleticism helped me get opportunities locally by Ed Beard because you know, he, I was probably the best golfer in the central Illinois area, but beyond that I was unknown. I didn't really play much anywhere and I wasn't that probably well versed in golf at the time or well experienced. But Ed, speaking of basketball, came to my high, couple high school basketball games. And you know, I was a good shooter. I led the Big 12 in free throw shooting. And I'd score, I'd score 20 points once in a while. Or I, I think I averaged maybe 12 or 13 points a game or something. But he liked that. He liked he watched me play at Champaign Central and, and um, uh, it was my junior and senior year. And I think he put two and two together. And, and um, I came over the year he was recruiting me. I came over the, the year Illinois went to the Rose Bowl in 83. Um, the fall of 83 was when I committed, and um, it was the best thing that ever happened to me, obviously because of the connection with the family, but being close to home. And then my girlfriend at the time, my, 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 my wife today was going to come to Illinois for music, so it made a lot of sense. And so it wasn't that hard probably for Ed to get me to come to Illinois. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a big recruiting battle by any means, but it's something that I'm glad I, I chose. And obviously for my dad to play basketball on a Big Ten championship team, and I did the same thing in golf, my brother to do the same thing in baseball, three years after me to have all those rings and championships and the times we had to be a part of that's pretty special in our family. So
1: we're talking to Mike small and bill small. We'll take a break. We'll have more for you here on Monday night sports talk at the Esquire back after this.
0: You're listening to Monday night sports talk on news talk 1400 with the latest news and insights on the Illini live from the Esquire lounge on Walnut street in downtown Champaign.
1: Welcome back to the show, everybody, with you for another 20 minutes here at the Esquire in downtown Champaign. If you're just tuning in, the Illinois basketball team is in the top 20 this week at number 19 in the Associated Press poll. Scott, I did notice that a couple of guys like Andy Katz and uh, Seth Davis both have Illinois in their top 10s.
2: Yeah, um, well, Seth Davis, I think, was 13. Well, somebody had him ninth. Andy Katz had him ninth. Okay. Yeah, what, what he, he was three like,
4: foot from somewhere.
2: What he does is a little it's different. Bad. It's more. It's like a power pole, right? Uh, which, more of, uh, in the moment, who's playing the best basketball? Like at least the way I treat my AP top twenty-five out is more of a full season. Like what you did in November. I mean, maybe it doesn't matter quite as much now, but it still counts. I mean, those games are still played. Um, so, but yeah, Andy Katz has been. He's driving the Illinois bandwagon pretty much solely during the, the off season and I mean it's hard to you know, discount what they're doing now. The six game winning streak is the longest in the Big Ten and tied for 14th nationally. So uh, playing good basketball.
1: Talking uh, with Bill Small and Mike Small. I got one, Mike Small, now I'm a little bit biased on this. He's the best golf, college golf coach in the country. You can look it up, the stats will back that up. Certainly the dominant coach in the Big Ten. But I want to ask Bill Small if he saw this coming. When, uh, when Mike graduated from the U of I, he went out and played some on the tour, then when he uh, was picked to succeed, Ed Beard as golf coach here, what'd you think? Did you think your, your son was coach material? I, how's that for a loaded question, huh?
6: No, not really. Uh, let me tell you, there's, there's, th- there's three, three things that people have asked me about Mike uh, as years in the past and even up until this year. uh, Whether it's here locally or whether it's uh, I'm someplace else, people I know or people just walk up to know me and ask me about Mike. The first question they ask me is, what year did he start playing golf? At what age? And I was 12. And the second question they asked me is that, did you coach him? And I say, up until a couple of years ago <laughs> <laughs> that's true people ask me that question well look well, at his rebuttal
1: in a minute
6: <laughs> then the third question he asked me is did you believe once he took the job in Illinois he would have success like he's had now you know the great success and the first time somebody asked me and I had to pause and think about it but then as I thought about it I said yeah and I'll tell you why and you've heard me tell the story. You've heard me tell this story before. Uh, when Mike's first year coaching, he never coached before. He was what 33 years old or something. Never coached before. The season before, Illinois didn't have a very good team at all. They finished last in the Big Ten. But they finished last in the Big Ten. But they had the individual Big Ten champion. And to figure that out, that's strange. So, when Mike took over, they had basically the same team and they had the returning Big Ten champion. Well, the returning Big Ten champion didn't want to do what Mike wanted the team to do. And uh, he was not, like I said, be polite, saying cooperating. So, Mike just gave him an ultimatum, you know. you're going to do what I want to do, you're going to do what the team's going to do. And the guy said, no, I'm going to practice on my own. I'm going to practice in the morning. Don't come in the afternoon. I want to do this. And, and Mike said, no, you're going to, you know, going to adhere to what we're going to do. He wouldn't do it. Mike booted him off team. Kicked the defending Big Ten champion off his team.
1: Jump in any time, Mike.
5: <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds a little more you know dramatic than it was, but yes. Yeah, well, so you've got to you, make it that way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, when you're trying to build, trying to change the change the culture, and you're trying to build a program, you're trying to lay a baseline of what you want to do and grow, you have to have people involved in what you want to do. We all know that. Any kind of business, any kind of uh, organization you get to, you get everybody on the same page. And and uh, he wasn't the only person on that team. They've been, you know, they've been used to doing things a certain way. And obviously they were, the team we inherited was last the Big Ten, 150th in the country. So we had to change something. I didn't take this job and and sacrifice playing my professional career to come in here and lose—that wasn't part of the my plan. I wanted to be competitive. So, um, yeah, there, he wasn't the only one that didn't make it through that year. I think I spoke on Brad Underwood's behalf at a coaches versus cancer thing one time. And and the first year is always the toughest because you're changing that culture. But and it's always and we, we finished last or second to last in the Big Ten my first year with the with the players. And we we're trying to change the mindset. And you don't go into the into it expecting to do that. But when people don't buy in and people aren't opposed aren't. aren't On the same page and they oppose you in every direction you have to look at the program first and so that's what happened so yeah we we decided to go the direction with the six or seven guys left that we wanted to go with and um, the ones that didn't want to be a part of Illinois golf and build something special and leave a legacy in their name encouraged to go elsewhere so that's that's what that year was all about and but to his you know what my dad's trying to say is it was important to me it it wasn't just a check it wasn't just a job it was something I want to come here where I played um, it's a big part of my life. We'd won the Big Ten championship here as a player, and I knew how big that was. I wanted to win a national championship. I wanted to contend for and, and make this place special. We have the great fans, great support. Illinois, being at Illinois, is a special thing. It's not a, it's not a rite of passage for students and student athletes. It's something that, that you have the rest of your life. And I want our guys to feel that passion when they came here and played. So we had to set that standard, and we did that. That first year was tough. It went by very quickly. Um, I learned a lot about myself, about how much I really wanted to be here and how much I believed in it. Because I knew I wanted to. But to go through with those actions was, was difficult. And then the next year, we had three freshmen. And uh, we just barely lose the Big Ten Championship by a couple shots. We go from 11th to 2nd. And then we were leading the national championship after one round that next year. Because the culture, the mindset, the, the belief in yourself, the, the, the joining together and sharing a common goal was there. And it's amazing when that happens, what that does to a team. And anything you see seeing it with Brad's team now. I think you see the way they're playing now. The chemistry on the floor is better than it was six months ago, six weeks ago. Um, and I think that's any organization. You get together, you put your heads together, you combine your talents and your dreams for one goal, and it's amazing what happens. And when people get in your way, you have to go the other direction. And that's simple what that story was. So.
1: <coughs> well, to put that title... And, and, t- and,
6: do- t- and by doing that... You know, he set the tone, and it proved to me that he's going to be successful. He had what it takes, and he really knew what he was going to do.
1: And to do that at a Midwest school, people kind of underestimate the, the importance of that fact, how hard it is to be a power in golf in this part of the country because of the weather.
5: That's what's built our brand. That's what people have liked us. You know, we've had, I think, what, six or seven top eight finishes and four final fours. Um, in any sport, you do that. You, do, you, know, you have one Final Four, that's a big accomplishment. We've, been, we've had this, this, this consistency over the last 10, 12 years. And it, it, the weather, which it gives it its own personality, where we're located, it's never been done. This, this long of a stretch, sure there's been good teams in the Big Ten, they They've graduate seniors, and they've, they've got some experience, and they hit it right. Um, that's always the possibility. But to build it <clears throat> for, for a decade um, through these kids and what they want to do is added to the unique story. And I think the national media and people in golf recognize that, that it's hard. To do it here where you can't play all year round now, from from April to November we can play as anybody we can our courses and our weather and our, and our and our facilities are great but when you recruit kids it's hard to convince them that this is where they want to come so that's what's attributed to the unique story is where we're located but again as a Danville kid grew up in Danville a blue collar mentality where you see how tough-minded people operate we kind of like that. Have somebody tell us we can't do it. That kind of motivates us.
1: Speaking of Danville, a couple of weeks ago on a Friday night, you were inducted into the uh, Danville Wall of Fame, and your dad kind of uh, was one of the stars of the show. I've got, I, have, <laughs> I have some sources that uh, tell me about the introduction that he kind of uh, took, took over the program. Is that true, Bill?
6: Well, yeah. Uh, it was on a Friday night, and he had canceled the basketball game, so there was plenty of time you know, <laughs> yeah, to... <plenty. laughs> for the other activities. So I just thought rather than speak five, six minutes, I'd speak 15 yeah, minutes. Well, so I introduced him, took me 15 minutes. So well, that's fine. Big,
5: big deal. Myself and the other gentleman, Doug Barnett, <laughs> that was being inducted over there, being honored, um, we were asked who was going to introduce us for this award. You know, Danville means a lot to us, but it wasn't like you're on in Hollywood or anything. But um, Artist Gilmore right. introduced Doug Barnett. He's an agent and he's, he's supported and he's, he, he helped artists all these years. So well, Artist Gilmore here, i got to have my dad on the other side, you know? I mean, I'd I, I even this thing out. So, but I thought it was worthy to have my dad introduce me, because if it wasn't for his choices in life, I wouldn't have grown up in Danville. So, I mean, he gets up there, he says, ah, four to five minutes, I'm going to give him give a talk. I, it Was it four to five or 45? Because <laughs> I, had to, I had to go up on the, I, and I had to give him the hook. I had to give him the hook on the introduction. I had to walk up, and it was kind of a funny moment. But um, I gave him a big hug. I appreciated doing that. But it meant a lot for him to do that for me, but... Yeah, when he gets going, he can get going. So that's why you've got to put a clock on him. you gotta, you got to make sure he doesn't get too far down the road.
1: Bill Small, who's your favorite player on this particular Illinois basketball team?
6: Wow, that's a tough question. Well, going back to what Mike said, I'll take the guy that doesn't score, Demonte. He does everything except score. Then we've got other guys that can score, but he does the dirty stuff. And he plays defense like you're supposed to play defense, you know, and he looks for the open man. He's unselfish, probably too unselfish. But I like the way he plays. I don't like his offense that well, but he doesn't hurt him offensively. Uh, he, he's a good player. But uh, other than that, uh, I like Trent. I mean, you know, you know Trent, Trent's a uh, – he's an alley player. You know, he, he – he, 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 you, know, you can tell what his background is. And uh, I like the way he plays.
4: Bill, or um, – I'm just wondering about Harry Combs. I'm fascinated by him. Obviously, he was here in Central and all that. But tell a story about him. Is something about him that really really sticks out for you? What what kind of guy he was? What kind of person he was? What kind of coach he was?
6: Well, offensively, I think he was probably ahead of his time. Okay. Uh, you know, he. Yeah, you're right. He's was a local legend, and he right. and he, he 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 could coach. Unfortunately for me, we Harry was on a. The downslide when we had him, you know, 1962, 63, we won. Then after that, he had a couple more years, I believe, and then, then he was done. But he offensively, he, we were doing things back then offensively. Nothing di- nothing intricate, nothing difficult, just simple stuff that these guys are trying to do now and making it difficult. I mean, I can see what they're doing, and the, the two or three sets that we ran, that's all we had was about three sets, are incorporated. They have incorporated that in what they're trying to do and making it difficult. Sure. But he was an offensive mind. Uh, but def- defensively, he, we just played straight man-to-man. Uh, when we were seniors, he let Tal and myself pick the other guards up at half court, and that really sped the game up for us and made it made us better. But offensively, I think Lauren said this one time, Harry's philosophy was if you get 100 shots, you're going to score 100 points and you'll win the ball game. And, and I think my senior year, we did average like uh, – 89 points a game
4: without a shot clock. Oh, well, w- without, a shot, without clock, shot clock. Without right. a shot clock. Right. Without a shot clock
6: and without three-point shot. A- amazing.
4: Yeah. A yeah.
1: couple more minutes with Mike Small and Bill Small here at the Esquire. Smallie, as far as your personnel, you got uh, you got some numbers on that roster. And as you always like to, I always bring this up, but uh, in your game and picking a lineup, you always say the golf ball does the talking. And uh, is the golf ball talking yet on these guys, or that's, well, that process begins now?
5: It does. It does. You know, your scores dictate, obviously, your trend. And, and, and any coach in any sport, he needs to know what he's getting out of his players before you put them in the game or put them in the match. A coach wants to know. If a coach isn't sure what you what you have, it's always un- an uncomfortable feeling for a coach. So we played all last fall. They played over this break. Um, the first couple months of the spring, we're going to see what we have. But it's really wide open. I'm. I, if you look at our team, kind of the – we spent all last November, December really talking and venting and trying to figure out why last fall was slower or not as successful as we're used to. And um, there's talent there, but there's some, uh, there's some mindsets we have to change. The, the guys have to change their mentality this spring. We've already started working on that, and I'm anxious to see where that goes and how it turns into our scores. But um, I'm going to probably do a little more of the lineup this spring uh, than the golf ball maybe. Um, they've had a long time, but until the golf ball really separates them, then I'm going to have to make a choice. And there hasn't been a lot of separation on my team. We have my biggest team I've had in probably 15 years, um, which um, it makes it more difficult, uh, especially when they all play the same. So it's going to be a competitive atmosphere. Or, um, but come April and May, I want to get down to the five guys that are going to help us make a push for our 11th Big Ten championship in the last 12 years and go to 13 straight national finals, which is the current record right now is 13 by Texas. We're second in the country at 12. Um, that's something we want to keep going, and if we play like we did last fall, it's going to be difficult. So, I got to find five guys I can lock arms with and get in that foxhole with come April and and uh, and get after another, you know, another really positive and successful spring.
1: A minute or so left. Go ahead, Scott.
2: Well, you, you talked about you know recruiting and getting players here, and you've had a lot of freshmen come in and you know be successful early. You've got you know, Jerry G comes in with maybe a higher profile than a lot of uh, your freshmen in previous years. Is what's, What was his fall like? What's maybe his path to, as a freshman?
5: Well, Jerry G, um, he's from the, uh, the Netherlands, and he is an awesome young man. Um, he was, he was, his parents are from China, Chinese descent. He's a, he's a, he's, he was born in the Netherlands, but he is um, a talented young man, top 10 junior player in the world. And we got him. Um, like every, every other freshman I've had, the first semester of freshman year of any sport, is always difficult to transition. But when you're a foreigner, you add more transition into it. Um, and then, you know, it, it's it being away from home, that far away, it's just a tough deal. Um, the springtime, they always pick things up. And I expect Jerry, I've already seen improvements. He's more comfortable here. He's excited to be here. He's excited to be on Lana and he's got, a, he's got a good future in him. So I think his best spring is ahead of him.
1: We are out of time. Time flies when you're having fun. But thanks again thanks to small. Mike Small and Bill Small. And the folks here at the Esquire, we appreciate it. We'll be back here again next week coming up at the top of the hour. Prep Sports Confidential on DWS. And the Brad Underwood Show at 7 o'clock tonight right here on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. For Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie, Bob Osmussen, Ed Bond, I'm Steve Kelly. Thanks for listening and thanks for being here. We'll talk to you next week here on DWS. Have a good night.